What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Mastering Miles podcast powered by Bioendurance PT and Performance. My name is Matt Ferlindis, and I am a physical therapist in the Milwaukee area that specializes in treating runners and running injuries. Today we are going to do another solo podcast episode, and this specific podcast is all about running form and striding towards our overall optimal running form overall. I wanted to release this solo episode because it's going to be laying the groundwork for some future episodes we have coming up, so I wanted to kind of get a little bit into the basics of running form um, first off with it. So. If you have been listening to the podcast and are a fan of it, feel free to like and subscribe um, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. I would really appreciate it. But other than that, let's go ahead and get right into running form. When we are talking about running form and optimal running form at that, the first question is, does optimal running form even exist? And the short answer to that question is no. We don't really have any research that says this is the proper running form. This is the most efficient. This is the most economical. There really isn't a one-size-fits-all approach, which is a really good thing overall because we don't have to stress and strive towards a very specific movement pattern overall. And this also means that we shouldn't really go and constantly try to change our running form altogether. When we're changing running form, especially really changing the form, then we're going to be putting stress on certain muscles, tissues, things like that, that might not necessarily be used to having that stress. And that can be a potential for injury. Um, Usually the best case scenarios for us to actually change running form is when somebody is injured or is in pain, as well as beginner runners who are still kind of finding out their groove and their overall running form. We have this principle called self-optimization which essentially means usually most runners, the more that we run, the more we're going to figure out what is optimal running form. Very similar to the first time we rode a bike. Very difficult at first, but we learn it. Same thing with running. As we get more exposure and more volume to running, we're going to learn what optimal running form is and our body's going to make adjustments to make it as efficient as possible. Now, I say all of this as a physical therapist that does offer running analysis services, Um, so I know that sounds kind of funny. However, when we're looking at running analysis, it's more than just running form. It's also functional movements, squatting, single leg squatting, plyometrics, all of these we'll get into in a little bit. And a lot of times, I'm not necessarily making huge changes to run form, but I might be making changes to those foundational movements because sometimes the movement patterns we see with those foundational movement patterns go directly into our running form overall. So that's an important distinction to note that we're, we shouldn't try to constantly change our running form or make huge changes to our running form overall especially more experienced runners like professionals will make tiny tweaks, changes to their running form to be as efficient as possible. And we'll get into some of those in some future episodes. Um, But this is just speaking in general terms of like, do I need to radically change my running form? Is there a certain thing I should strive towards? Overall, the answer is no. 
So when we are talking about optimal running form, we're essentially talking about running form that is efficient and economical, essentially a running economy. Um, I've mentioned this before, but running economy is just how efficient we are. We can think of VO2 as the engine. And if we put two runners together that have the same exact VO2, VO2 max, the same engine, the more economical or efficient runner is going to usually win the race just because they can expend less energy at a given speed because overall they are more efficient. So it really all comes down to running economy and what are some ways that we can improve our running economy, adjust our running economy, and optimize it overall. The first way to do that is through strength training. And I know I sound like a broken record because I say this pretty much almost every podcast, but um, we have a lot of good solid foundational research that says strength training improves our running economy as well as some time trial performance as well, which kind of goes right into that and applies to that directly. The thing about strength training, and this is a little bit of the caveat I will bring up in this podcast, a lot of it has to do with our strength and stability in our mid-stance position. So mid-stance is essentially when our foot is directly under our center of gravity or kind of the hips and pelvis area. Not when our foot, foot first hits or when we're towing off, but right in the middle of that stride. We know from research that leg stiffness improves running economy. And so when we can apply our strength training to really optimize our strength and our function at this mid-stance position, we can likely improve that running economy and that overall strength. This takes a level of neuromuscular control. And what I mean by that is the muscles never activate alone. It is the nerves that are getting them firing. And it's that coordination between the nerves and the muscles and the brain and all of those communication that we really see those improvements overall. And that's the area that matters. So if we're able to train in that mid-stance position and become as strong, efficient, as controlled as possible in that position, in that single leg position, more than likely that is going to help our overall running economy. And that takes time to develop. It takes that neuromuscular control. It takes that motor control. But that is a really good spot for us to work and become really, really efficient because so many muscles are working in there. We want to optimize and make sure we have good stability through our lumbar spine, our pelvis, quads are working, glutes and hamstrings are working. All of those uh, muscles, even down to the ankle, are working to kind of optimize that position. Number two, and there's some new solid research on plyometrics and plyometrics improving our overall running economy. Um, there's a really great article that I'll post in the show in the show notes here that a very simple plyometric program, really all they did in the study was double leg hops for height at different intervals of being on and different intervals of rest and progressing that. But they found some pretty significant improvements in running economy, especially at faster speeds. And really the reason that plyometrics help to train this is called the stretch shortening cycle. And what this is, is when your foot hits the ground, whether we're jumping or we're running, the muscles essentially have to lengthen or eccentrically activate to accept that load. So that's the stretch portion of that cycle. Then we are going to probably go to a very short isometric 
activation where we're not shortening or lengthening that muscle, but we're going to as quickly as possible go to a shortening of that muscle or concentric activation in order to push off. So it's that process, you can imagine somebody landing from a jump or from running, where we land, our muscles lengthen, and then we reverse that into either jumping up or striding forward. That's the stretch shortening cycle. And when we are training plyometrics, we're essentially training this movement pattern or this cycle. Once again, a lot of neuromuscular control goes into this because those nerves have to learn how to quickly adapt to those forces and quickly go from an eccentric lengthening contraction to a fast, forceful shortening contraction or concentric contraction. So plyometrics help to train this cycle. And it's very easy to see that if we train plyometrics and we train them appropriately, Um, our tendons are going to become a little bit stiffer and more elastic, and our muscles are going to become very, very fast and efficient at doing this, meaning that every time our foot hits the ground, our muscles are going to be more efficient, and our foot can hopefully spend less time on the ground and be more forceful as a result of that or propel us forward a little bit more effectively. So plyometrics are uh, another great way to do that. So I highly recommend to runners who aren't injured, aren't beginners, you know, have been running for a while. These two things are the appropriate initial levers to pull to become more of an efficient runner. Strength training as well as plyometrics. Those two things can be really, really beneficial overall to enhance that running economy and strive towards that optimal running form overall. The next thing is a dynamic warm-up, and dynamic warm-ups in the research have been known to really help to limit um, injury risk, but I believe that these can really help our running form as well. And the reason why is when we're doing a dynamic warm-up, we're usually working on form, whether it is like skips or plyometrics or karaoke, there's usually like some good form work, A skips, B skips, different things like that. And we're essentially priming or activating those nerves and movement patterns um, while we're doing that warm-up. You know, we're working on a knee drive during a skip. We're working on forcefully um, pushing off of the ground when we're doing a skip or hop or something of that nature. So a lot of times, especially before key interval sessions, things like that, doing a nice dynamic warm-up can help to prime those movement patterns, prime those nerves, prime that neuromuscular control to create as optimal of a running form as possible through there. So I highly recommend, I know a lot of runners do this dynamic warm-up, but if you're someone that doesn't, highly recommend doing some sort of dynamic warm-up, especially before like key sessions, whether it is a long run at marathon pace or interval or tempo session. During those key sessions, when we want those muscles firing as optimally as possible, that is a great time to use that dynamic warm-up. So dynamic warm-up, also great for optimizing our overall run form. The last thing we are going to talk about on this specific podcast is cadence, or how many steps we are taking per minute. This gets talked about a lot in the running world, and this is a really nice lever to pull to um, optimize overall running form overall. I usually pull this lever for beginners, um, so individuals who are very new to running, as well as individuals who are dealing with certain certain pains, um, especially knee pain, 
plantar fasciitis, those types of things. We know that those types of injuries typically have stronger correlation to loading rates or the amount of force that's going through our leg than other types of injuries. So this cadence lever is a nice one to pull for those those different situations. I will say sometimes if I have an experienced runner that has dealt with different injuries in the past and um, and different things that I kind of discovered during the subjective exam, and let's say we get them on the treadmill and their cadence is well below 160 steps per minute, I'll usually pull this um, lever for them as well. But um, it's important to note that if you're already, you know, over 160 steps per minute, whether it is 160, 170, um, up to 180, that's already pretty optimal itself. Um, we know that there isn't like one specific number that is better than the others. Um, however, really what this relates to is the principle or, or the process of overstriding. And when I say overstriding, I mean when our foot first hits the ground, having that foot way out in front where we have a major heel strike, that can be not as economical or efficient as possible. And the reason for that is when that leg is out in front, we're getting a really high braking force, and this can also lead to increased vertical oscillation. So essentially, we are expending energy to slow ourselves down and actually displace ourselves vertically instead of forward or horizontally. So that's why this isn't quite as efficient. What is ideal in this scenario? Ideally, when our foot first hits the ground, we want our tibia or our lower leg to be um, near vertical, as vertical as possible, because that helps to decrease overall braking force and improve some overall efficiency. Essentially, we're kind of rolling over our foot instead of stopping ourselves. Once again, this is a really nice fix for some of those more specific injuries that have to do with loading rates and loading forces, such as knee pain, plantar fasciitis, and those types of things. And we know from some really good solid research that increasing our cadence by five to 10% can actually really decrease our overall loading rates through our legs when we take a stride, and every stride that we take. That's why this is a really nice lever to pull for those more specific injuries and things of that nature. So let's say you're struggling with some of these injuries, you're new to running, your cadence is well below 160 or so. What are some steps we can take to kind of improve this? It's really important to note that this is kind of an annoying process because it does take time. And you will find that when you are in the midst of this process, it's going to feel like you are working a lot harder um, than normal. Because in order to do this, you are going to be expending more energy at first until your body and your nerves and your motor program kind of figure it out overall. So best way to do this sometimes is on a treadmill or on a really nice, easy to run, nice, easy run. Now, it's important to note that cadence and running speed are both independent of each other. Typically, yes, when we do run faster, we do take more steps per minute overall. However, we can run, let's say we set the treadmill to six miles an hour. We can run on the treadmill at 150 steps per minute. We can also run at that treadmill at 170 steps per minute. So increasing your cadence doesn't necessarily mean that we have to increase our speed overall. So what's the best way to do this? Well, I found that some watches have metronomes on them, as well as you can usually download a free 
application on your phone that it has a metronome on it or one of those devices that just kind of clicks at a certain beat. And you want to set that metronome about 5 to 10% higher. And so if I have a runner come in with like 160 steps per minute, I'll usually set it to somewhere between 170 to 175 steps per minute. That's right in between that 5 to 10% increase. Now, when that metronome is on, you're going to try to run for two minutes and you're going to try to stick to that beat. So every time that metronome goes off, you want one of your foot to hit the ground. When that metronome goes off again, you want another foot to hit the ground. If you have a slower cadence, this is going to feel really awkward. And again, you're going to be expending more energy overall. So have that metronome on for two minutes. And then when you hit the end of two minutes, run with it off for one minute and try to maintain that cadence. And when that minute ends, put the metronome back on for two minutes and you will quickly see if you kept the beat or you kept that cadence or if you didn't. If you didn't, that's okay. Just get right back on that metronome for two minutes and then when it goes off for one minute again, try to stick to that same pace and that same cadence. You can go back and forth between a few sets. I usually say somewhere between three to five sets. And over time, what you can do is you can slowly decrease the amount of time that the metronome is on and increase the amount of time that the metronome is off. So let's say the two minutes on, one minute off becomes pretty easy for you. Progress to a minute 30 seconds on, a minute 30 seconds off. And when that gets really easy, you can then progress to a minute on, two minutes off. All the way until you can perform a good solid 20 to 30 minute run without having that metronome on and still keep to that brand new cadence for you. So again, this takes time. This can take, you know, three to five weeks, even longer sometimes for that to happen. And I usually recommend that runners kind of do this process two to three times a week during that because it does take time. We're teaching ourselves a brand new motor program and we're teaching ourselves a brand new movement pattern. So it just takes time for us to get used to that and for that to become the new normal overall. So those are essentially the four things that we can use um, in, in a general sense to improve our running economy. Once again, strength training, plyometrics, dynamic warm-up, and cadence for certain individuals. Um, those are really nice levers to pull to make big changes in our overall running economy and optimal running form. In future episodes, we're going to go kind of more in detail. Let's say that you check all of those boxes already. We're going to go in some more detail of some other drills and things of that that you can do to always kind of keep as optimal running form as possible. Always prime your muscles, nerves, all of that kind of stuff to remain as efficient as possible. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Once again, I greatly appreciate it. Um, if you are someone who, let's say, hasn't been doing any strength training or plyometrics, needs some help kind of getting into it, or would like to kind of go through how to adjust cadence a little bit more, feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to help and listen, learn, and connect and, and find ways to um, properly help out runners in the area um, to run as efficiently and as healthy as possible. So don't hesitate to reach out. And until next time, happy and healthy training, everyone.